to A Cup of Gratitude with Amanda Schaefer. Hi, I'm your host, and I'm so glad you stopped by. This podcast is really for anyone, anywhere, anytime, and it's about taking a moment to slow down and look around and actually see all of the good things that are there. There's an old question that asks, is your cup half empty or half full? But I think a better question is, what's in your cup? I mean, a drop of gratitude will benefit your life unimaginably more than a full cup of anything else. So let's settle in and take a look at how we can shift our focus and embrace the joy and the wonder of the life that we have. And once you start, you won't be able to stop seeing the good. And just like me, you won't be able to stop talking about it. And somehow that creates even more. Even in the midst of difficulty, even when it's really hard. Learn how to drink from a cup of gratitude. Welcome today. I am speaking with Cheryl Shoemake. Ask Cheryl about her greatest adventure, and she'll tell you that I know and love Jesus and get to make him known. She's a Bible teacher, author, speaker, and founder of Stepmom Sanity, a Christ-centered sister circle of support, providing help and hope for stepmoms who are there for stepmoms who've been there. She has authored four books, including her most recent, Waiting to be Wanted, a stepmom's guide to loving before being loved. Cheryl uses her skills, education, and training as a master coach to equip blended families, support women in spiritual formation, and mentor formerly sex-trafficked women in basic life skills, Cheryl and her husband, Jonathan, make their home in Michigan and are frequently invaded by their four adult children looking for food and hugs. <laughs> Welcome, Cheryl. It's so nice to have you here today. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. As my listeners know, I do a pre-recording call so that we really get to know one another. And parts of your story just really I identified with. And I love your heart for pouring into and helping others. It's just uh, really paramount that when we receive the goodness of God, that we overflow with it. Absolutely. And isn't that how God reached us, right? He He sent those who were full of his spirit, full of his love, had the love of God shed abroad in their heart by the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. he He directed them right to our lives. And it's for us to, to be directed by him into the lives of others. Absolutely. Unfortunately, uh, I don't know that everyone is stepping out and opening their mouth and their heart and and sharing the good news of the gospel. And I just um, I I wish that the body of Christ looked like the bride of Christ, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So I am very grateful when I do meet people who are following their calling and, and doing that good work because it's the best news ever. It really is. It absolutely is. And I I don't know if this is the right time for this, but I really want to encourage those that are listening. Like you don't have to pick up a mic or a pen or mm-hmm. anything. You have your mission field is right in your home. It's right in your neighborhood. It's in your family. It's with the people that you do business with on a daily basis. Just ask God for the opportunity to share his love and his goodness with others. And he will provide plenty for you to do so. Amen. Amen. And there's always the right time for that. <laughs> it's so true. I think people think you you either have to get on a stage or or write something or 
you know, do a podcast or go to a mission field that's in Africa or the Philippines. No, your neighborhood is the best mission field ever. Your family, best mission field ever. And I think it's so important wherever we go that we carry the goodness of God and that we're prepared to share it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm all fired up. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm encouraged already. That's It's one of the things that I really live for is to take every opportunity I'm given, even if I'm scared and I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I yeah. love it, especially when I'm scared and I don't know what I'm doing, because I know then that if there's any impact at all, like sometimes you can think I've done this enough that that this is I know how to do this. But mm-hmm. when you're in a situation where you are uncertain and you mm-hmm. see the impact of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's truly the Holy Spirit that did the working that took your feeble attempts and mm-hmm. just blessed and anointed it to reach this the heart of this person that he loves. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love when we can point to him and give him glory and say, hey, absolutely. I, I had no idea what I was doing and I was actually scared. Right. right. I, I love it. And it, it's it's really important to be honest and vulnerable because I think if everyone who is out there sharing makes it seem like they're so comfortable and this is so easy and there's no faith component at all, then other people don't think they can do it. That's right. It's such I have a friend who who is a mentor. She's the young woman who led me back to a saving relationship with Jesus when I was in college. She is she's a global trainer by she's a, a global leadership trainer by profession. And she goes mm-hmm. around the world preaching the gospel and training pastors, helping them establish their works as well. And I remember one time I had just led my first mission trip. We were coming back from Puerto Rico. She was with me and um, and with along with the team. And she said something that just blessed my heart. She said, every time I stand up to speak, and she speaks all over the world. Mm-hmm. Every time I stand up to speak, I get nervous still. Mm-hmm. And I it made me feel like, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. Then because <laughs> I, That's I, awesome. I so appreciated her vulnerability and how much it encouraged me to keep going. I honestly, Amanda, I thought something was wrong because mm-hmm. I because I still get nervous when I stand up to speak or when I have an interview or when I am writing something that I want to bless or I believe that the Lord has given me to say to his people, I get very nervous. So yeah. that encouraged me so much. That's that is an encouragement. I I get nervous too. I have an upcoming speaking event. It's two churches together doing a retreat, which I think is so awesome. I love collaboration. Yes. Um, but it's rather large audience, and I love talking about God. Give me a microphone, right? But I'm a little nervous, and I know, yes. I know that He's giving me His heart to share, but I, I don't want to get it wrong. You know, I don't want to miss right. anything. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's very nice to meet someone, you know, who feels the same way as I do. And and you have, when we'll get into it, quite a lot of accomplishments. Now, I, I love to start at the beginning of our story because I want to show the thread of God working. Uh, sometimes when we're not even paying attention to him, uh, I wasn't, you know, and other times people are fully head over heels in love with him. But what we see when we see the thread of God working in our lives is this bigger story that, that he has for us and how he'll take everything, even the missteps, even the broken places, and he won't miss a thing. He'll use it all for, for his glory and, and for our good in our ministry. So would you be willing to tell us a little about your childhood? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I was born I'm in 19 blah 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 and <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> you were born in blah 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 too there's a lot of us out here <laughs> um but my mom my parents were teenagers when I was born my mother was in her senior year of high school and my father had just graduated high school and thankfully thankfully I um my grandmothers were very very good friends and remained good friends until my mother's mother passed away at 93. So I never had, I wasn't, I didn't have a a situation where I did not know my father or my father's family. They were very involved in my life growing up and they are still very involved in my life today. So I'm very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for a mother who as a teenager born, you know, having a baby in the city of Detroit, very easily could have become a statistic. But my mother made up in her mind that that was not going to be the case. Um, She tells the story of when the social worker came to her house and told her she was not going to be able to go to college and that I was going to have a substandard life. And my mother kicked her out and told her, I'm not going on assistance. My daughter will have a college education and I'm gonna have an education as well. And she made it her business to expose me to a world that was so far beyond my neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. We we went to the symphonies and we went to the libraries and, and we spent time in the museum. And she was very deliberate about exposing me to the doctors that she works for. She used to take me out to dinner with them and formal dinners. And when wow. I was a young girl, yeah, so I'm so grateful to the Lord that, that he, that my life didn't start as a tragedy that I, and I never felt like a mistake, although the culture at that time, this was long ago enough that um, looked at me as mm-hmm. a mistake and looked at my mother as a tragedy, but wow. the, the Lord never, never at all. That's amazing. Your mom sounds like an amazing woman. Her setting out with intention to do the best for you uh, is just, is, is beyond admirable considering it can be really difficult. It really can, especially at such a young age. And you told me, and I think I think setting the stage with all of the things that she exposed you to is maybe where you had the boldness to ask this question. But during our pre-recording call, you told me of a memory when you asked your mom if she ever thought she was supposed to do something great for God. That's a really big question. Do you know why you asked her that? Yeah, a big question, especially for a little girl, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) You know, Amanda, I I really had this sense of calling, even before Mm -hmm. I knew that that was a thing. Always felt like God was wooing me or calling me to himself, setting me apart to do something specific for him. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a little, I have no concept of this as a little girl, barely have a concept of it as a grown woman, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, and so I, I went to the person that to me was the smartest person in the room at the time, my mother, and just asked her that question. We were sitting on our front porch and just, 
she was sitting on the I can tell you what was happening. She was sitting on the banister and mm-hmm. I was sitting on a porch seat and I asked her, have you ever felt like you were supposed to do something great for God? And her response was, have I ever felt like you were supposed to do something? And, no, just you in general. And these mm-hmm. literally were my words because my mother always felt like she had to speak to me like I was an adult. So I had a huge vocabulary as a child. These were my actual words. And um, and she said, no, not necessarily, but I have felt like you were supposed to. Wow. And, and that set with me, that deposit into my life yeah. um, set with me for for many, many, many years that that my mother believed that that God had something specific for me. To the extent, my mother, she wasn't, she is now a Christ follower, an intercessor, a worship leader. She wasn't really a a Christ follower then, but Mm -hmm. she tells me now she used to pray, Lord, please don't let anything that I'm doing impact my daughter. Don't, don't let it continue on in her or through her or have any impact on her life. That's what she was praying before she knew God. Um, Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. That her love for you, her, her parental love for you, which is the way a lot of people come to know uh, God in the first place is when they become parents and they get that inkling of that really sacrificial, unconditional love that he has for us that, you don't always encounter in other relationships, but that's amazing. Um, all of the things that she spoke over your life and provided for you and that she even prayed that for you when she didn't even believe yet herself. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yes. You know? I have a lot of respect I, for her. Thank you. And, and very I, I do too. I do too. <laughs> and, um, the other thing is, I think it's wonderful. You know, God is the best story writer that there is. And I love how he deposited that in you. Both you had an inkling and she had a word to say, and they both went in and resonated. Now, sometimes other things overwrite that, but later on he'll uncover it. Absolutely. He does. He is very faithful to his purpose and plan for our lives. He's faithful to us and he's faithful to that, to his word. Yeah. Thank God. I thank, I always say, thank God that God isn't a man or a woman <laughs> because, <Right. laughs> you know, I can't even believe I'm going to be 59 in May and I will be 22 years truly in Christ in May. So do the math. I've spent most of my life not. I, I grew up going to church, but I never had that real relationship. I never knew it was available. Mm-hmm. But I've got to tell you, God took me by the hand and just ran and, you know, and we have not stopped since. And it's wonderful and it's abundant and it's everything that I didn't see in the people around me who said they were Christians. And mm-hmm. so that's why I want to share it because it's for everyone. Right. Absolutely. You know, you said something that God took your hand and ran. And it reminds me of the scripture that talks about how we are, we sin, we were led away by our lust and lust leads us to sin and sin when it's conceived, when it's fully grown, it leads Mm -hmm. us to death. And if this, that this thing that's evil, this thing that is, is designed for destruction can do that. How much more our heavenly father who loves us, he has such life and wholeness and peace and joy joy and adventure for us and him that he wants us to experience. I am not surprised at all that the analogy he's giving you is he is, he took your hand and ran. Let's go. Yeah. Girl. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget the first time that I read uh, from Joel where it says, I'll repay you for the years that the locusts locust have eaten. The, yes. Oh my goodness. I just cried and cried. <laughs> yes. How, how good are you, God? You know? Yeah. Um, and all throughout the Bible, if if you really know scripture, I don't know why some people think the Old Testament isn't the same God. Um, he has a wonderful heart and he's full of compassion. Um, but even in Hosea, uh, where he talks about, I'll, I'll make the Valley of Achor, and Achor means trouble. Yes. And it was called that valley because Achan and his family were killed there for rebelling against the Lord, right? Yes. He says, I will make that place a door to hope. Like that's yes. where you're that's where you're going to encounter hope. I'll give you Jesus. I'll give you Jesus. And Jesus is the door. So, you know, even, even in the places that make no sense, even in the places where your repercussions should mean that, that you are no more, God meets you with hope. Yes, he does. Absolutely. He does. That's good. Now you, yeah, I mean, it's straight scripture, so it sure is. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's one of the promises I hold on to and and um, really try to remember. You know, we all go through it where we do something or why in the world did I do that? You know, and you kind of you could go to complete despair. You could let it get in the way, but we have to learn to repent, to acknowledge it, to turn back to God, and then to remember what His character is. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now. Will you tell us a little about your experiences during college? Uh, you mentioned during our pre-recording call, you wrestled with God a lot during that time. Absolutely. I was young going to college. I went between right before I turned 17. So I went to college as a 16-year-old. Wow. Com- yeah, completely unready emotionally mm-hmm. for the challenge of college. And my mother was, she was strict. She she was very, very strict uh, grow, when, when I was growing up. And so I just, you know, felt like I, I'm here, I'm on campus, there's no parental supervision, I can just do what I want to. Mm-hmm. And and I tested those limits. I did what I want to, wanted to. And all along, God was calling me and, and reminding me of of his nearness and I had I had given my life to the Lord but you know I did it as a child and I had no concept of everyday surrendering to Jesus of mm-hmm. lordship in my life so mm-hmm. I just did what I wanted to do and at some point I, re- I even remember Amanda actually leading a Bible study. And I was telling the people that I was partying with on the weekends that you cannot mock God, that whatever you sow, (laughs) you're going to (laughs) reap. And then Friday night, Saturday, I'm partying with these same people. So, you know, And and I will tell you, it it went on for the first, it wasn't long, but it was long enough that it left an indelible mark on me. It it went on for the first year and a half or Mm -hmm. so of my college career. And right around that time, I met someone and we started dating and we, he had decided that he was going to he was in a backslidden state. He had decided he was going to give his life to the Lord. And he just, he went wholeheartedly in and Mm -hmm. he met a a woman at his job. He was working and going to school. He met this woman at at a job. He asked her about a church and she happened to go to that church. And he told her, you need to meet 
my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she met me and the Lord put a passion in her heart for me. She loves the lost anyways. The Lord put a particular passion in her heart for me. And this woman pursued me with the love of God and with the gospel of Jesus Christ, like nobody's business. And I was quite attitudinal. I had <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't want to have anything to do with you right mm-hmm. now. I'm just trying to like date and, and do my thing. But but, you know, the father's pursuit of us, he, he's it, he's the hound of heaven. Right. Mm-hmm. And he hates the things that keep us from him. That's why Jesus died. It was an act of war as much as it was an act of love, as much mm-hmm. as it was an act of justice. Mm-hmm. And he he pursued me. And one day in my dorm room, I, I got tired of running and I kneeled on the floor and I gave my heart to the Lord. I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus for real. And I said to God, whatever it is that you want from me, you have it. You have my life. Mm-hmm. And I I never and it never went, I never looked back. And it was such a significant change that the next time I saw this young lady, it was probably about a week or so later, she said, You're different. And <laughs> told her and, and got to share with her what what happened, what what mm-hmm. that I had surrendered my life to the Lord. And then she said, Okay, now this is the next thing that we do. We immediately started studying the Bible together and then we immediately went out to to witness. She said, This is what we do. We don't sit around after mm-hmm. this and feel good about the decision that we make. We get into the word, we learn how to grow, we we you know, position our hearts so that we're formed into the image of Christ. And then we go out and we tell somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I hit the ground running from 18 years old and and until today I'll be 55 this year. What was the tension between the you <laughs> you told the people you were partying with, we can't mock God <laughs> and hitting the road? What did that feel Ooh, like? Oh, it was it was extremely difficult because some of these people were my best friends from high school. We had long history and mm-hmm. and I remember my roommate at the time moving out of the dorm. I guess I became too much. I don't know. <laughs> um, and it, it's I had a the first time I had a conference. One of the young ladies that I was friends with at the time, she is now a judge and an evangelist. And she spoke at that conference. And and I remember her saying, "Oh, when Cheryl got saved, she got saved for real." So mm-hmm. it it was a complete turnaround. And there was a lot of tension between my old life and my new life. Yeah. And it and I realized that I had to I had to find a way to learn how, and I had to grow into this, right? Because you're so zealous when you're young. Yeah. I had to grow into how to be a friend without um being without doing what you're doing with mm-hmm. without endorsing what you're doing even but keeping an inviting space so that yep. when you're ready to turn to Christ, when you have questions, when you want to pray, this will be where you'll come back. And mm-hmm. then we can have those conversations. Um, yep. it, it took a while for me to learn how to do that. Initially, I even ex-boyfriends, do you know Jesus? Let's talk about <laughs> the gospel. And <laughs> I was all I think over takes, the place. <laughs> I think it takes a while for, for any new Christian. You're so excited, whether you're young or not, to learn how to use wisdom, to learn how to check in with God first 
and yeah. say, hey, you know, what what would the approach be in this particular circumstance? And to know to ask every time um, yes. because it'll be different every time. But, you know, in the beginning, you, we are all so zealous. All you want to do is share. And, and that comes from a genuine place. Yes. Yes, yeah. it does. It's just learning how to be wise, how to be discerning. Yes. 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 Um, You know, people can ask you to tell your testimony and there's about 45 different versions, different lengths of time, different details included. Even when we set out to do a podcast episode like this, we prepare, but then God's in the lead. So we end up talking about things we didn't, you know, didn't even talk about because we, we invited him in and said, Hey, this is your conversation. So uh, it's always encouraging for me to see where it goes. Now, You were married while you were still in college. Same boyfriend that same that, boyfriend. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about your your husband at that time. Yeah, we we were he was again my college sweetheart. He was the first person that I had given my virginity to. He was um he was the person that I was on this new journey with. And we felt very, very sure that we were to be together and we certainly were going to be together for a lifetime. Just a very charismatic person. He was initially going to be a doctor. That didn't Mm -hmm. pan out. He ended up being on the transplant team at U of M eventually, but it wasn't panning out that way initially. But he definitely had on his life such a pastoral heart Um, Mm -hmm. and and knew many people, many people liked him. And we we got married very, very. He was older than me. He was six years older than I was. Mm -hmm. I was in my junior year of college and he was, you know, still kind of figuring out, figuring out how to pay for the remaining classes he had to take. So we were we were married young and we went on our honeymoon. We came back and our pastor at the time who had done our premarital counseling, he asked us to begin working in the ministry. So we started with, you know, prayer counseling and phone counseling and we were working in the youth department. We were at the church at least four or five nights a week. And this church at that time was probably a good 45, 50 minutes from our apartment where we where we lived. So we were very committed. We were committed to one another. We were committed certainly to the Lord and, and, and to having a marriage that glorified him. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this, that the one thing we did not have at the time were practical skills. We had a lot of want to. Certainly the Lord was with us. We had been prayerful up to the marriage and prayerful over the marriage, Um, but we did not have um, conflict resolution skills, Uh, you know, all of those, (laughs) right, right? all of those things that it takes to make a relationship work. Yeah. We thought that what we had was enough and we did not understand that all of the things that God has, the practical things that he has in his word and Proverbs and Ephesians and just all over the word of God that shows us how to live as Mm -hmm. husband and wife. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we lacked that. And after 17 years, it showed. Mm -hmm. I bet. And you know, a lot of people lack that and um, don't, don't think that they need anything more than love um, mm-hmm. but you know, once you do really understand what you need in a marriage, um, if you're already married, sometimes it's, uh, it's hard to find out later on. Now, 
you you wanted to have children at one point you told me that doctors told you you could not have children they did my um first husband he came from a large family he was the only boy of six children that his mom and father had together his mom had two additional children so he had a, a pretty large family and i wanted initially six kids and the doctor told me that was not happening you wow. you may not even have one mm-hmm. for sure and i will tell you amanda i struggled it was the one thing that i felt like i wanted and that i was being denied Mm. And I remember once our pastor called all of the women up to before the church who wanted to have children. He was praying. He had called me up to pray for me. And then he said, everyone who wants to have a child, come on up. Let's pray. And I promise you, over the next two years, every single one of those women got pregnant except me. And I cried and I bargained and I pled and I begged and I did all the things that we do when we want God to move in a certain way. And it seems like he's saying no, or, or mm-hmm. he is denying us. Mm-hmm. And I recall um, the day I told the Lord, if you do not bless me with a child, I am still going to serve you. I'm going to, I have to give this up to you. Otherwise I'm going to become bitter. I'm going to become mm-hmm. angry. I Mm -hmm. am going to, um, I won't turn away from you. Um, I can't, you're my life, but I certainly, it won't be the same relationship. And, And I've got, so I've got to let go and trust that you love me and that your plans for my life are good. Mm-hmm. And it took it. I think I wrestled with the Lord over that for a few days before I knew that I finally released it to him. Surrender's hard. Surrender's hard. Especially if it's something that we really are passionate about. Um, I remember having a conversation with someone recently. We're talking about obedience and how as we mature, we realize that when we obey and we do surrender our will to God's will, it's really not a hard thing because we know his will's better for us, (laughs) you know, and and we, we can't see it in the moment. And sometimes He'll bring it around that we still get what we want. It's just in a different timing, in a different way, mm-hmm. or when our heart is more prepared. And think about being a mom without a surrendered, fully surrendered heart, right? Right. Um, you have the responsibility of training this child in the fear and admonition of the Lord, of raising mm-hmm. a human being that you're going to release out into the world and you are trying to do it your way. That mm-hmm. is not going to work <laughs> at all. It yeah. does not work. Um, I, I will tell you that I um that it was um it was a, a another season of crushing there is, I can't remember who it is that said it. I'm going to have to look this quote up and send it to you. But um, they said, we die a thousand deaths and the, every day we die a thousand deaths. And this mm-hmm. is certainly the case for the believer that we, we surrender, we, we surrender our flesh. We walk by the spirit and overcome the flesh. All of that requires sacrifice. It requires sometimes That's some right. suffering. That's it, right. Yeah. But the outcome, though, whatever mm-hmm. it looks like on this side, the outcome is greater joy, is greater um, intimacy with the father. It is mm-hmm. 
learning him and discovering him in a different way. I often say, you know, we don't discover God as a provider until we are in a situation where provision is lacking, where we can't find provision. That's right. That's right. Right. We don't discover God as a healer until we are in those no way out kind of situations where Mm -hmm. only he can step in and in that particular way. And then we did, oh, he is with me. Oh, he's near. He's a deliverer. He's a husband. He's near. He's a healer. That's when we discover it. So absolutely. Even Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, right? He, do you know how olive oil is made? I, I do know how olive oil is made. So there's, there's, there's two parts to it. There's a crushing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the crushing when he was praying, hey, hey, God, could this cup pass for me? But if not, your will be done. Mm-hmm. The crushing makes a paste out of the olives and, and the little the little few drops of oil start to come to the surface. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he sweats blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then there's a pressing and it's something ridiculous, like 58 or 59,000 pounds yes. per square inch of pressure happens to that paste that's been crushed already to make the oil flow. And then Jesus goes to the cross and that was, he was pressed with the weight of our sin, which made the blood flow. And had he decided not to give in and do the father's will, you know, I mean, he's our best example that nobody could see what was coming. None of us would have guessed that that, that him going to the cross would mean that we could have resurrected life yes absolutely no one that's did. a 2020 looking back with the 2020 hindsight glasses on right right you right. know so those are the kinds of stories that god tells right he 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 tells us to do sometimes really crazy things like okay i want mm-hmm. you to go all these times around this giant city with a giant wall and then and at say the end, nothing, I want you, right? yeah, just quietly just march around mm-hmm. and then and then I want you at the end, I want you to all shout. Right. <laughs> and it's going to come crumbling down, right? Or that Rahab, who was living inside that wall, was promised that her and her family would be safe and everything fell down and broke apart, but they were alive. But they were, you know, yes. Right. So the, the Bible's just jam packed with, like, that's what I can't get. We, we keep forgetting. We'll read it. We're like, wow, that's amazing. And then we forget it two seconds later. Right. <laughs> As if that same God is not going to show up in our lives in those same ways, asking us to do things, to surrender yeah. things, yeah. to believe him for things or in things that are, just seem ridiculous. But yes. then he shows us how amazing he is. Yeah, yeah. Now, you did end up um, having a child. You had a daughter. Can you tell us about her? That's amazing. I did. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Like I was taking, I was getting pregnancy tests like every month for, I don't know how long I should have had um, stock in EPT, but (laughs) I, I kid you not, but I had decided to pray and fast and I got sick and I heard the Holy Spirit say, get a pregnancy test. And by this point I was fatigued. I had surrendered. I said, no, that's not, it could not be the Lord. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is just get something to eat, wait until I feel better. And then I'll fast again. So I felt fine the next day. I waited a week and I went to fast and pray again. And I got mm-hmm. sick that day. And this time when the Lord said, get a pregnancy test, I did. And I found out that I was pregnant. And this was a few months after I had 
surrendered the desire to the Lord. Mm. Um, and, and so we were, of course, ecstatic. I asked the Lord for a little girl. I, I did. I prayed Hannah's prayer. She will be mm. yours from the womb. Um, I will. De- I dedicate her to you. I asked him for a child that was obedient, yet a little spicy. And boy, did I get that in spades. <laughs> <laughs> but that daughter is now 30 years old. She is um, just a brilliant young woman. The joy uh, of uh, of our life, our family. She brings a lot of laughter, full of personality, very intelligent. Uh, has a master's degree, getting ready to get her second master's degree so she can um, be, she wants to be a professor in her discipline. And uh, she's just, she's a lot of fun. She had, she had a great love for God um, at growing up. As a as a young adult, she is where we often find ourselves. She is struggling in her faith, but mm-hmm. I stand on the assurance that that my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Mm-hmm. I stand on, on that promise. And, and but she has not, you know, she is she's just a wonderful girl. She's she really is a, a good friend. She sounds amazing. She does. And she's just like um, she is she's a, a, an amazing gift from the father just yeah, what we I, asked for absolutely that's amazing um, I'm, I'm really grateful um, that that you were able to have her and get to be a mom and understand what that experience was like now you told me that about 15 and a half 16 years into your marriage God woke you up with a warning one night and told you to pray. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, it was probably a couple of months after we had come back from this big trip. Um, my first husband and my daughter and I, and the Lord woke me up and said, something is coming to attack your marriage. And I asked the Lord, should I, should I say something to my spouse? Should I pray? And the impression I got from the Holy Spirit was just pray and trust me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I began to do. I just began to pray for the marriage. A couple of weeks later, he came to me and he said he had run into some, to someone that he dated prior to he and I meeting uh, at college and that that person had been pursuing him and telling him that she, he was supposed to be her husband and, and so on and so <laughs> forth. Right. Right. And, and this is a Christian woman as well. And, uh-huh. and yeah, and he said that he told her <laughs> whatever she said, right? And he said that he told her that he was happily married and that we that he didn't want her to contact him any longer. And I uh-huh. honestly thought that was it. I thought that was it. And I went back into my prayer closet and I said, well, Father, thank you so much for showing me how to pray. Whew, we dodged that one. <laughs> and I had no clue that that really was just, that was the opening thunderclap before the storm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry about that. You know, um, it amazes me how people pursue married people and call themselves Christians. Yeah, but you know, we we're all lost. That's why we need Jesus, right? We are. And, we are. And we we have we live with such great deception nowadays, um, especially in this culture that even we, you know, our gospel tends to be very me centric that God wants me to be happy and he wants me to Mm -hmm. have whatever Mm -hmm. I want to have. And so we do things to, we do things to that, that 
say that that's what we believe, mm-hmm. but God has a way, Amanda, of of making what is wrong right, and right. he and he is such a deliverer and a comfort in the middle of things. I, I the greatest time in my life up to up to that point was actually during the the fallout of of him being in a relationship with someone else and mm-hmm. us getting divorced and he remarrying the person a month later that was some of the best times i had ever spent with the lord yeah, up until I that bet. point in my life it really was I bet. I bet and i didn't say that in a judgmental way because i know we all have blind spots and issues yeah and i was just responding like wow I get it. Isn't it shocking? Like if you came to me and you said, you know what, I'm going to pursue this guy over here. He's married, but you know, oh, well, I want him. Like, wait a minute, Amanda. And you say, Jesus is really telling you to do this. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And in no way was I judging her. I was just, I I was literally just saying out loud and first thought in my mind, like, wow, that's, you know, that's a lot. Now, um, you know, told me about um, the Holy Spirit telling you to buy a book. Yeah. And the book, the book was called Brokenness. Is that yes. Right? Yes. You you talked about the the olive oil and mm-hmm. and the pressing. The what God had given me was a rose petal. When I had given my life back to the Lord, we had had a prayer meeting at that time in in our mm-hmm. in his apartment actually it was he and I and the young lady and a couple of other people we couldn't get to our church so we're going to have our prayer meeting there and she uh, the person who was leading it she said ask the lord what is his vision for your life and i asked the lord what do you what's your dream for my life lord mm-hmm. and i just felt the lord impress upon my heart actually what's happening now and and then he said i'm going to make you a rose before my throne and amanda mm-hmm. i had no i had no idea what that meant i could not find that in the scripture so mm-hmm. i just kind of tucked it away and put it in the back of my heart fast forward about 11 years later and i am at a church i had just led worship and there's a visiting pastor and he says, um, Cheryl, the Lord told me to tell you he's going to make you a rose before before his throne. And I fell at, on my knees at the altar and I heard the Holy Spirit impress upon my heart and a rose smells sweet as when the petals have been crushed. Mm. Now we are now going through, uh, obviously he did not stop uh, contact with the young woman. We are mm-hmm. now going through this horrendous season in our marriage where, you know, it's, uh, this person has become just completely different, a 180 degree turn in, in our, in our lives, both my my life and our daughter's life. And I'm asking the Lord, how do you want me to deal with this? Because I'm hurt. I'm angry. And I don't know what to do. And the Lord is telling me to treat him with compassion I'm like, I no, I don't want to do that. I don't, don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So uh-huh. I'm in a bookstore, and I see this book by um, Nancy uh, Demoss, mm-hmm. and it's called Brokenness. And I just hear the Holy Spirit impress upon my heart by that book, and I said out loud, "No." Because I, I, at that point, I was so tired of having a, the conversation about being broken. I just didn't yeah. want to, I certainly didn't want to read a book about it. And, and the Lord, he impressed upon my heart to do it again. So I picked the book up, I bought it. 
and I went home and I started reading the book. And in in one of the chapters, I can't recall which chapter it was, she starts talking about a, a bouquet of roses and how um, how beautiful it smells and how you need to walk up on it and and you can and the fragrance is enticing. Then she says, but when you crush the petals, mm-hmm. the the oil is released from the petal and it and it the pungency fills the atmosphere. So you can mm-hmm. be anywhere and you will smell the roses. And I dropped the book. And I heard the Lord speak to my heart that he was using the circumstances that I was in, not to crush me emotionally, that's not his goal, but to crush me of self-direction and self-will and self-focused so that I become Christ-centered and Christ-directed and Mm Christ-focused. And that wherever I went, the aroma of Christ would be released. Because that's what the word of God tells us, that we are to God, the aroma of Christ, both to those who are perishing Mm -hmm. and to those who are being saved. Wow, that's really powerful and beautiful. And I'm I'm really glad God kind of put on my heart to share about about the the oil uh, from from olives. Um, Is this the same thing, you know, that you get this different thing from something Mm -hmm. when it's under pressure and crushed and how beautiful that not only did he just like it's it's occurring to me now just like he deposited in you to ask your mom the question of doing great things for God and your mom responding no but I think you're supposed to do great things for God he deposited that in you before you know you were ready to be able to handle that he also deposited in you about being like a rose before his throne two times to make sure that you knew it was him and then the book and then the book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's our God of great detail. Think about it. This is the God who formed everything, who spoke it all into being, who has a voice like mighty rushing waters, who sings over us like a mighty warrior, who the earth is just like a footstool for him, but he cares about those teeny tiny little intimate details. Well, and all of the detail was in the word, let there be, whatever it was that was supposed to be light, all of the components of light that would make up light came together. Yeah. So, I mean, he is, he is, he astounds me with his greatness and yet his intentionality in our lives. Yeah. It's just the most beautiful thing. It really is. It is. Oh my goodness. He is so kind. He is. I wish somebody would have really explained all this to me when I was younger, if I would have had more time with him. But then whenever I think that, then I think, well, the people that I can connect to now are the people who are going through some of the valley times that I went through and I can Mm -hmm. connect to them and they know I know what it's like and they can see what happens on the other side. So Absolutely. Because he just has a way, too, of just bringing those who need the same comfort that you received from him into our lives so that we could give that to them and point them to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's so amazing. Now, I'm assuming y'all got divorced. We Um, did. did. Sorry about that. And what how did that kind of happen? What were things like for you? Well, I tell you, there was one one day, I don't know what day it was, but it was one morning and I was crying. Um, I was just sitting on my sofa crying about my husband, my husband, this, my husband, that. Uh, what am I going to do? 
And the Lord spoke to my heart and I'm not a person like drop your Bible, open it up kind of thing. But the Mm -hmm. Lord spoke to my heart and said, open your Bible to Isaiah 54. Mm -hmm. And I opened my Bible and I promise you, Amanda, I had heard the scripture before. I did not know its address at all. But the Lord said, open your Bible to Isaiah 54. And I opened my Bible to Isaiah 54. My eyes landed right on the scripture about the Holy One, your Redeemer is your your maker being your husband. Mm -hmm. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I am your husband. I am everything to you that a husband is. I'm your gardener. I'm the one who will cause you to bloom, who will cause you to blossom. I love you with an everlasting love. Just began mm-hmm. pouring out his love for me individually as his daughter. And he said, you will never want for a thing. And I left that marriage working a part-time job, raising a daughter who was now estranged from her father. Mm-hmm. And we we landed in such a soft space and God took care of us along the way, even through some even more horrendous things that mm-hmm. happened post-divorce. yeah, And so it was really, it was a a sweet time in in that I was carried. And I learned how to carry everything to the Lord in that because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So Mm -hmm. I would go to the Lord for wisdom and I would Mm -hmm. ask him how to, how do I engage with, with he and his wife? How do I, Mm -hmm. um, how do I do this? The first time she showed up at a parent teacher's conference, the Lord said, I want you to know she's coming out of the blue. I'm hearing this as I'm sitting down, just hearing it in my heart. I want you to know she's coming and Mm -hmm. I want you, I want you to just be held in my peace. Mm -hmm. I, I learned that we, we're just, we, God has a, his love has a strong grip on us. It really does. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if we, if we allow him, nothing will snatch us out of that, Mm -hmm. uh, out of that love, out of that place of security. And so I, I found that rhythm of security and rhythm of grace in the middle of all of the turmoil that was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. There was only one time when, when I was, um, I, I don't want to say angry, but where I, I said, God, you don't hear me. And that was post-divorce. And that mm-hmm. had to do with my daughter. Yeah. 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 Um, it's funny that you used Isaiah 54, five, because that's the one I always tell people, I was like, God is the best husband. Cause they'll <laughs> say, well, you know, cause I, I got divorced because unfortunately I came to Christ after I was married and my now ex-husband um, started showing signs of being bipolar, then started self-medicating and became a pretty horrible alcoholic. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I went through the whole thing with God. It wasn't like immediately I, you know, got separated and got divorced. I did all the things God told me to do, fought with God a lot about doing those things, but gave him every opportunity. Um, but he wasn't able to stay in recovery. And so, um, you know, we went, a, went ahead and got separated. And then over time, God gave me the okay to get divorced. But people since then are always like, well, are you looking for a man? Are you this or you that? So first of all, are you kidding me? I'm taking care <laughs> of my parents. I've got, mm-hmm. you know, a full-time ministry that I didn't even plan on as well, <laughs> you know. And God's a really great husband. And guess what? You know, like I I kind of like being able to pick out how I decorate a room or what TV show I right. watch. <laughs> um, but, I, but, God, but here's the thing. If God had someone else for me, 
at this point, here's the thing, they would have to be able to lead me. And I have not met a man as of yet who had the same passion for God that I have and who um, lives their life sitting at the feet of Jesus. And if I did, maybe, maybe that would you know, be the case. But during the time that I, you know, was a single mom, I used to hold the bills up in the air and be like, all right, God, this is your bill. I'm trusting you to take care of it. You mm-hmm. know, and he, he always did. So I get that. And it, it's beautiful to know that the maker of heaven and earth is our husband. Yes. That he will take care of us. Listen, right. I, the first day I came down the stairs in my new home and I just, I heard nothing. Oh my goodness. I was like, this is wonderful. It was just so much <laughs> peace. I was like, this is wonderful. <laughs> so, I tell you. <laughs> and, and I and I wanted to stay mm-hmm. in that space. And, and mm-hmm. God, he had other plans for me. He did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us about those other plans? Sure. Well, um, you know, I got married very young, as I said. And so when I got divorced, it was the first time in my adult life I was single. And I wanted to stay that way for a very long time. First, I I had a 12-year-old at the time, 12-year-old daughter. And Mm -hmm. uh, my thought process was, if anybody tried anything, I'm going to kill first, repent later. Mm -hmm. And um, that's that's like, I was not thinking right when Mm -hmm. when it came to her, not at all. And so it, I was fine. I was content. Um, God was taking care of me. I had, I was in the home. I had my mom come and live with us to help me finish raising Kayla. So she, so she was there with us mm-hmm. as a support. So I felt very comfortable and, and content in my life. And one day I was driving down the street and out of the blue, I hear this question in my heart. If I were to bless you with a husband, what would you want? And I answered verbally and said, nobody, because <laughs> you and me and Kayla, we're good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I don't need a person. And mm-hmm. the Lord responded to my heart with the sweetest things. I, I may bless you with a husband, but nobody will ever love you the way I love you. Mm. And um, he after that, he said, I want you to plan a wedding. And you know how the, the word tells us that the Lord will give us both the will and the ability to do his good pleasure. I promise you, before I was driving down the street and praying, I had no desire for a man, much less planning a wedding. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I had this huge desire, like need almost to plan a wedding to the point wow. I got a, I've got a bridal magazine in the mail. If anybody was telling me this story and I didn't live it, I would say there's no way. But I got a bridal magazine in, in the mail and um, I said, OK, message received. I'll go ahead and plan this wedding. And I did it in a week or two. And once mm-hmm. I had a dream that I had gotten married, couldn't see the guy's face. I saw my daughter walking down the aisle in an ice blue gown. I mean, just all this crazy stuff was happening out of the norm stuff, I should say. Mm-hmm. And um once I planned it, the, the the desire left and I put it away in my file cabinet and that was it. I never thought about it again. And I want to say maybe two months after that, I got a call, an email from mm-hmm. uh, a friend from college and high school. And he actually attended my first wedding and mm-hmm. he said, hey, it's a blast from the past. Do you want to get together? And again, still not thinking anything. I was like, sure. Right. Right. <laughs> He sent his phone number and call and I called him the next day. We talked for two hours and that was it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to say maybe 
it, it was four months between the time that I spoke to him initially and we actually saw each other face to face again. Mm-hmm. And I, I think by the third month in of our having a conversation, I was writing a letter to accept his proposal. But wow. all, of, all along, I was asking God questions and like, God, this doesn't seem right. This is not logical. This is not mm-hmm. what I would tell someone to do mm-hmm. um, at that point. My former husband had done something egregious to my daughter. And so we are in court dealing with that at the same time. All of this is going on. And I got this, this, the, the timing seems off. Maybe mm-hmm. if I start bringing him around the people that I know, they'll see something. I, I was looking for an out. I would yeah. I would ask God questions and talk to Jonathan and he would answer the questions without me asking him. Um, All of my friends, the people that I trusted to point to things and they loved him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like, God, this is, this doesn't, no, I like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And and finally I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender Mm-hmm. this this thing to you and, and but I know that he can't be just for me he has to be for Kayla and I can't be just for him I have to be for his children mm-hmm. as well and my first husband passed away mm-hmm. and um I he Jonathan was the first person I called to tell him what happened he had just he was out of town at a client and he had just landed and he said do you want me to come home I said no you don't have to come home and when he came home he came to my my house and uh, he said listen he told me he told my mother listen he you weren't married anymore but he was the father of your only child and you were married for 17 years and if you need to grieve you can Mm -hmm. grieve him in my arms I'm not going anywhere and when he said that, I went back to the Lord. I said, Father, when he asked me to marry him, I'm going to say yes. And he asked, this was only about three months after we had seen each other face to face. He asked me to marry him in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were married the following April. All of this was a humongous amount of change for my daughter. Yeah. From, yeah. Yes, from the yeah. divorce to her father being remarried a month after the divorce to mm-hmm. what happened between her and her father. They did not see each other physically outside of court between mm-hmm. the, t- the time of that particular event and the time that he passed away. Although the last words they spoke to each other were, I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was just a few, uh, not even a year later that Jonathan and I were married and we, we, I, again, I kept asking the Lord about this because this is not something I would tell a woman to do. Mm-hmm. And, and the father kept giving me his assurances all along. Uh, and we made some sacrifices. Like we stayed, we kept two houses for four mm-hmm. years uh, so that my daughter could stay in the community that she grew up in and go to mm-hmm. high school with her friends. So we, we made some concessions as much as we knew to do. But I tell you, I, I want to say about five or six years into my marriage, Jonathan and I have now been married 15 years, about five or six years into my, into our marriage. Uh, my daughter came to me. She said, mom, marrying Jonathan, she calls him dad. Marrying mm-hmm. dad was one of the best parenting decisions you've ever made. Wow. And, that's amazing. 
Yeah, but I look at this, Amanda, and I look again at the faithfulness of God, mm-hmm. how how when we surrender our lives to him, how his his planning and uh, there is his purposes. They're just so much better than ours. And yeah. And look at that favor. I mean, once you were obedient to the things he asked you to do, once you were open to what he was saying, boom, 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 you there you were. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. And and I, I want to say this because it can sound like sometimes that, well, you know, it, you hear from God or, well, you're the, God is no respecter of persons. Let me say that. He loves us all and he has mm-hmm. a particular plan for us all. And this happens to be this part of the story. We we glossed over, honestly, the harder parts uh, of the story. And we mm-hmm. have avoided but anything but alluding to the most uh, difficult part of the story. But with that, all of that being said, God still was there in the middle of it. And I can honestly say, Amanda, I would not change a thing for how I know him as the good and kind and loving and merciful God. Amen. Amen. That he I, is. Amen. I mean, I, I here and there will share parts of my story. I have uh, several traumatic parts in my story, but you know, I didn't know God when I was younger. But um, He allowed me to come to know Him a week before some of the really difficult stuff happened um, later in life, and I had a place to go, and I had someone who I could trust, and He's always been faithful, and He's even taken the past traumas and healed them. And so, yeah, you know, it doesn't mean everything's going to be, you know, wonderful. It means you're not going to ever be alone and you're always, you're always going to have all the help that you need. Um, And, you know, knowing Jesus makes just all the difference in the world. Yes. You know, I think of, I remember when people were, we had the song and people were talking about the prayer of Jabez. We had the book and, and Mm -hmm. there were a lot of people praying about enlarging their territory. And I remember looking at the scriptures and looking at all of the disciples and how an enlarged territory for them meant that they were beheaded and boiled in oil and crucified (laughs) upside down. (laughs) Like they're, they're, their end looked very um, unsuccessful, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> the, uh, tragic yeah. even. Yeah. Yeah. But but they are they have been they they have were charged with the the building of the church and laying a foundation upon which the church would would then be built and grow and mm-hmm. come into the fullness of maturity and into you know the knowledge of the son of god become one mm-hmm. and that's an amazing call and an amazing responsibility and even as Peter traditionally thought to be crucified upside down and Paul is, you know, beheaded. Even then, even as Stephen is being stoned, he said, Mm -hmm. I looked into heaven and I saw the son of man standing. So even if the story doesn't end the way you want it to on this side, you better believe that there is a crown of life. 
that mm-hmm. there is a uh, there is a God who is awaiting your entrance into into the pleasures and the joy of the Lord. That on the other side of the mm-hmm. cross there is resurrection. On the other side of this crushing and the pressing there is glory and the afflictions that we uh, endure on this side they cannot be compared they're so light they cannot be compared to the exceeding weight of glory that awaits us amen we are preaching now this isn't (laughs) it's so but it's so true it's so true and it's all it's always a matter of perspective right do you look down at the waves or do you look at jesus Right. Do you look at what's going on in the circumstances or do you look to his character and, and trust in, in who he's been for you and who he will always be for you? And, and, and I think, you know, we can train ourselves. It's, it's a, it's a crazy world we live in. And, and sometimes I think uh, we get worn down a little bit by what's going on around us. Um, you know, you think about all of the, you know, when they went into the promised land, all of the sites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the, you know, <laughs> like they, they were, God gave them specific things not to do because he said, if you don't get rid of them, you're going to marry into, you know, you're intermarry and, and you're going to start serving other gods. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to start taking on the things of those people. And that's not what I have for you. I have the very best for you. I have me. And, you know, all throughout the Bible, it's so easy to be worn down by the world. And it's also once you know God, right? Once he's, he's given you all of these things throughout your life, he's given you all of those deposits, all of those promises, all of those affirmations, the more mature we get and the older that we get in Christ the more we're able to look at his face longer, yes. you know? Yes. And um, yeah, it might not end well. And you know what? That's okay. Because like you said, we know where our hope lies. Yes. Yeah. I, you said something that I think is very, very key to us living victoriously in this life, no matter what this life brings to us. And that is keeping uh, God's perspective on mm-hmm. this the 70, 80, 90, 100, my grandmother, my father's mother is 102 years old. The 102 wow. years that you live on this earth is but a blip mm-hmm. in in eternity. And mm-hmm. if we can get a perspective on not just that, that the comparison, that it can't be compared, but also that this blip is important to God and it matters yeah. to him. And he per- He does perfect the things that concern us and that we. he is so trustworthy. He's so good. He's so holy that we can trust that his plans, no matter what we think, again, that mm-hmm. his plans for us are the best for yeah. us, given yeah. the entirety of his story. I, I think if I get everything that I want, it may not be the best for me. And it, it, it may unravel a little bit my part in his story. Absolutely. I, There's so many things I'm so glad he didn't give me that I yes, asked for. Yes. You know, Absolutely. I didn't see the big picture and he does. Absolutely. You know, I, I could talk about this for hours, um, I know, but I, I do, I do want to before we're done, though, I want to um, talk a little bit about. So once you 
had a blended family. Mm-hmm. You started a podcast called Stepmom Sanity. Mm-hmm. You're an author, you're a speaker, you're a podcaster. How is God using all of that? Why did you start those resources? What is the call of your ministry? Right. So I, I really started those resources. I started that particular ministry, honestly, because I didn't see anything locally mm-hmm. that would that would minister to my needs as as a bonus mom. I, I wanted a community around me of people that were sharing my same journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I didn't look hard enough back then. I don't know. But I, I just didn't see it. And I remember praying about it. And sometimes when the Lord alerts you to a need, it's because he wants to use you to meet the need. And and so all of the experiences that I had gained, the things that God had taught me, um, the hard knocks, the wisdom that was gained by hard knocks, all of those things that 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 happened. He wanted me to take those things and to make that available to others as well. And so I remember I I actually had gotten cancer and um, I was, you know, I had said to the Lord, I don't get to tell you what to do with a life you own. So if this is what we're going to do now, okay, just show me how magnify yourself in this situation. Show me how to glorify you in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And as we are walking out this cancer diagnosis, the Lord said to me, this is not a sickness unto death. He gave me the scripture out of Isaiah, behold, I do a new thing. Um, It it doesn't, don't you perceive it? It it will surely spring forth. And I Mm -hmm. thought to myself, that's a very interesting scripture for cancer, but okay, we're going to go with it. And (laughs) while, while I am at home recovering from cancer, COVID breaks out and Mm -hmm. Right when COVID breaks out, I hear the Lord said, now launch Stepmom Sanity. And he gave me this whole big vision for it immediately. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And the father said, don't worry about it. I had a conversation a week later with a young woman who had just dropped into my life at that point. I didn't know what she did for a living um, or what she had, what dreams and desires God had placed in her heart. But she Mm -hmm. said, I need a project. And I just poured out to her what God had given me for Stepmom Sanity. And within a month, it, it was the podcast, the website, everything was launched. And I I just sat back and I was like, oh, my goodness, Lord. And I the book that I was writing, this is the third book, fourth book, actually, that I've written. Mm -hmm. Um, the Lord just, again, he, I took what I learned and the wisdom that he gave me and wrote a book and a, and a workbook on what to do in the gap between what you expected when you stood in the altar and, mm-hmm. and what you, what you really got and, mm-hmm. and what you are hoping to get in the end. What do you, how do we live this out in, in between? How do we love children that we not biologically our own, who mm-hmm. may be rejecting us. Mm-hmm. A- and so there we have the book. And all of this came about really at the behest of the Holy Spirit and him connecting me with people. That young lady has since started a whole branding business and has many clients now as mm-hmm. a result of Stepmom Sanity. And it's just been amazing. Um, we wow. are we're now in partnership on a few things with Family Life um, and Family and Family and Family Life Blended. Um, I'll be speaking 
at the Blended and Blessed conference this year. Awesome. And, yeah. And there's a whole nother initiative, that, initiative that's coming forth in partnership with both Family Life and Family Life Blended that I, I can't talk about really yet. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's just been amazing to watch God do what he told me he was going to do way back when. And, mm-hmm. and the road, the journey that he led me on to get here. Again, not something I would have planned, but I will not, I would not change. That's awesome. I, I had never even listened to a podcast before I started doing this one. Uh, you know, I just told God I would miss sharing the gospel. I was stuck inside taking care of my parents during a pandemic. And actually, I knew I'm <laughs> buying a microphone and converting a closet into a podcast. Music. I love it. You know, um, now, I want to just want to remind everyone. So you have all of these great things that you're doing. I'm going to put in the show notes um, websites and um, and ways for you to follow Cheryl on social media so that you take a look at all this great stuff she's doing and listen to the podcast, look at her books. Um, I I do want to ask though. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if you could give any advice to a stepmom or stepdad that might be listening. What would you say? Um, I I would say this. I would say take your time and mm-hmm. and give give the Lord the opportunity to work in your family. Uh, a lot of times, Amanda, you know, bonus families or couples leading bonus families, they give up before they get to the point where they are now a, a good solid blend. It mm-hmm. takes at minimum seven to ten years for a family to find its rhythm as a step family. But mm-hmm. the average um, couple is divorcing within four years. They're not even wow. halfway down the road. Wow. So so hang in there. Um, yeah. Find the pockets of, of, of grace and, and rest and respite so that you can be re-energized for the difficult parts of your journey because it can't get better. Yeah, that's awesome. It's very wise advice. And then I always end my podcast with the same question. Uh, I just love the answers. They're always so different. Um, If you could go back and give your younger self any advice, what would that be? I think I would tell my younger self to, you know, girl, don't wait to until you're 50 to figure out how to be in relationships and, and, you know, (laughs) like get, sit down with some older folks and get the lessons when -hmm. you're younger. It will save Mm -hmm. you just a lot of heartache and frustration on the journey. Also very wise advice. Well, you know what, Cheryl, I have so enjoyed talking with you. I'm really looking forward to all that uh, God has for you to do next. And if you ever have anything great going on and, and you, you want me to share about it or you want to come back on, please let me know. I've loved getting to know you and I just hope you have an amazing day. Thank you, Amanda. I do hope the same for you as well. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hey, so I just want to thank you so much for spending your time with me. And I want to challenge you to go out today and to just take notice and to stop and really look around and find at least one good thing, one thing to be thankful for. You know, if you do that today, you're going to find so many more things tomorrow without even trying. Because once you start, you begin to see what's always been there. And if you need a refill, you can come join me again for another cup. 
make sure to subscribe and have an awesome day and go be grateful.